وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم افتح لنا فتحا مبينا وارزقنا رزقا مباركا كريما رب اشرح لنا صدورنا ويسر لنا أمورنا وحل لنا عقدا من ألسنتنا أفقه قولنا ربنا أدخلنا مدخل صدق وأخرجنا مخرج صدق اللهم جعلنا من لدنك سلطان النصير اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته Inshallah we'll uh, take up Surah Yusuf um, And subhanAllah uh, it's, uh, This surah is uh, You know it's an amazing surah In so many extraordinary ways Just as the rest of the Quran But this is a known story Known story I mean I doubt anyone here Doesn't know Surah Yusuf But one of the miracles Of this The word of Allah Azza wa Jal And this by itself I wanted to get back to the subject or at least touch on the notion of what's real. How do we even, subhanAllah, confirm our belief in Allah Azza wa Jal? You know when you spoke of emotive experiences one time, the, the sources of knowledge and experiences that are outside of ourselves and within ourselves that speak of a reality that is real, right? Not everything has to be proven brothers and sisters, quantitatively, materially, and physically. There are real things that we sense inside of ourselves. How does that relate to this? And indeed prove the existence of Allah by itself. It's experiential. If you hear this story, you might think that I know it, I, you know, if I hear it again, it's not going to have an effect perhaps. This story is a story that you can read over and over and over and over through the narrative of the Qur'an, and you're always touched by it within the depth of your soul. It hits you, it moves you, it, 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 it gives you goosebumps, even though you know the outcome. Only Allah could have articulated this. And these are the supernatural uh, experiences, external, experience, ex- external sources of experiences that really need to show us that Allah Azza wa is real and exists and He's merciful. Because nobody could have spoken words like this and Allah repeats this in the Qur'an. Come up with something like it. In its composition, in its style, in its beauty, in its narrative. Nothing is like the Qur'an. And the proof of the Qur'an is in the effect of your, is, 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 is its effect on your heart. The proof of the Qur'an is not necessarily something that you measure, right? Some people actually have done calculations on the Qur'an. Extraordinary. They've done computer analysis on the Qur'an and they found the style of the language in it not to resemble any human speech. The way it's composed, even Arabic. Arabic poetry, Arabic prose, nothing. Now you say, oh, is that, is that evidence? Yeah, it's interesting, really. But it's not really the evidence. The evidence is experiential. You feel it within your heart and your soul and how it moves you. What this Qur'an has done to nations on this earth. I wanted to touch on this because Again, this comes up a lot, the question of, um, you know, again, how do we know Allah exists? How do we know the Qur'an is real? How do we know it's the word of God? Right? This story is extraordinary. We all know it, as I said, yet it has the same effect. Now, if we can literally spend the whole year drawing just, not lessons, major lessons, major lessons, and you'll not finish. I had to actually literally recite, you know, 
jawed down <laughs> last few days. Just major lessons, and I couldn't finish. Major, I'm not talking about minor lessons of life. This is so relevant and powerful and resonant in our lives. Amongst the things of Prophet Muhammad ﷺ is that this surah is for anyone who's sad. And who isn't sad amongst us? Who isn't grieving? And he assured us that every single time you reflect on the story of Yusuf, you're going to be healed. If you really profoundly reflect on the surah and the story of Prophet Yusuf ﷺ, you're going to feel good. You're going to heal. You're going to be provided an assurance that despite the uncertainties and the difficulties that you have in your life, Allah will take care of you. So what is the major, major overarching lesson of this? As I said, they're numerous. I'm going to pick some. From the words of Allah Himself. I'm going to pick two things, two verses, that are really amongst the anchor verses. We know Yusuf salam struggled in this story, right? And I'm going to actually, before commenting on the to these two major lessons. Allah Azza wa Jal Himself cons- says concerning this surah, and pay attention to uh, verse 3. He's telling who? These surahs, just as Surah Hud. And I want to test you a little bit. What did Surah Hud do to the Prophet Sallallahu heart? What was it sent amongst the purposes of the surah? Do what to his heart? How is he feeling at the time? Difficulty, tribulation, harshness from people and cruelty. Nothing, no doors were open in his life. How does that make you feel? Constricted and anxious? Especially when things are not making sense. I'm a good person. I'm doing, I'm doing people good. I've just preached to them a good word, invited them to something beautiful, to Allah, and, and what they meet me with is harshness over and over and over. The closest of people to me have abandoned me. My own family turned on me. That's inexplicable. That's hard. I'm here to tell you that this is one of the greatest sources of anxiety and distresses in our lives is what? Harm. But beyond harm, not knowing how to explain the harm. The evil. I'm a good person. Why is this bad evil happening to me? Right? Isn't that the number one reason why we lose patience in our lives? And we perhaps start to even uh, uh, complain about Allah Azza wa Jal Himself. Why Allah are you doing this to me? I'm making dua to you. I'm seeking all kinds of medications. I'm not getting better health-wise. Right? Why is my family that way? The why in our lives where we question the evil and the harm is the greatest source of distress, depression, and people moving away from the faith. Literally, as we are aware, one of the anchors of the arguments of atheists. Anchor, right? It's, it's their number one argument. They love this argument. Is Why is there evil in the world? And if God is so merciful, you're God, they make God. It's funny, they have this anger against God even though they deny Him. It's one of the funniest things about the atheists. Like, hey, they're, they're shouting at God and they, say, they still say He doesn't exist, right? It's a really bizarre kind of uh, contradiction. But nonetheless, they say, well, if there is such, if you're living with God and He's amazing, He's beautiful, and He's perfect, how does He cause people suffering and evil? <laughs> right? And what does it do to people who have faith? Many people who have faith, they, they can actually, their faith can be shaken. Many depart, many renounce faith because of that one question, why? Well, brothers, this is amongst the, the, the greatest insights we can gain in our lives that Allah can bestow on us is certainty and trust in the plan of Allah Azza wa Jal. No matter what you see on the surface, this surah is all about this. 
The surah is all about this. So Prophet Muhammad was experiencing the hardship and the not knowing. And it does cause anxiety. Am I doing something wrong? Sometimes you don't just question the event. You say, Am I, is it me? Am I doing something wrong? Am I messing up with Allah? Not only do you ask, maybe Allah, is, why is He doing this to me? But you also might direct the accusations against yourself. It's me. It's me. I'm horrible. And because I'm horrible, horrible things are happening to me. And, and by the way, people will make sure that you know that, right? You're, you messed up. You messed up, right? And because you messed up, and you're such a bad person, you stumbled on the stairs and fell, right? I'm just giving a silly example here. But we always bash, whenever we hear, sometimes even if news, someone getting hurt, and we dislike that person in the family, like, uh-huh, you see what Allah did to her? Ah, I see wicked people, what happens to them? They fall on their faces and they just, you know, smack their head and bash it and etc. These are, this is the nature of human beings. We're always, we're always like questioning things and our minds tend to think of the negative. They actually have studied the brain and they said this is one of the patterns of human thinking. Tendency, orientation towards thinking negative and negative outcomes. That's a natural state of the mind. Allah alters it. It's amazing. That's why reflected in the Quran heals. All of our miseries in our heads, most of it at least, is, is caused by how we think. If you pay attention to your thoughts, that's where our depression and misery is. It's our lack of interpretation, it's our misinterpretation of reality. Allah tries to close the gap between our minds and what the real is. And when we put our thoughts on Allah, everything changes. We're looking at the imperfections of life. My imperfections, your imperfections, the deficiencies of people, my deficiencies, our failures, setbacks, disappointments, and you become miserable when you think about it. Allah says, take your thoughts on me. Perfect, knowledgeable, wise, merciful, caring, has an incredible plan, right? But I'm asking you for a few things to do, He says, right? You do them and you think well of me, Wallahi, brothers and sisters, in the midst of trial, in the midst of uncertainties, disappointments, failures, your heart will be healed. And it will be strengthened. This surah does that. And it did it to Prophet Muhammad in Surah Hud. So what I'm trying to say is that Allah sent the, sending the surah to uh, comfort Prophet Muhammad Heal him. To tell him it's okay, don't worry, hang in there. That's one of the major things, uh, major uh, points that Allah stresses in this surah. To firm up your heart. Life is hard. Right? Now he says concerning this specific surah, all the surahs even that you've come across in your existence. Allah says, نَحْنُ نَقُصَّ عَلَيْكَ In verse 3, نَحْنُ نَقُصَّ عَلَيْكَ أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَصِ بِمَا أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ وَإِن كُنْتَ مِنْ قَبِلِهِ لَمِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ He's telling Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. Here we are, we're reciting the Qur'an, reciting to you the best of stories. He called this what? Ahsan. Hassan is good. But Ahsan is the best of the best. The best of the best. The best of stories from our revelation of this Qur'an, even though before this you knew nothing. How did he come across this surah? How did he know this? So rest, realize, when Allah speaks to the Prophet he's also speaking to you and me. He's telling me, I'm comforting you with this story. So what is he telling you and me? I'm comforting you with this story. I'm firming up your heart with this story. And I'm telling you the best of stories. So of all stories, of all narratives, of all epics, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, I love Star Wars. Are you Lord of the Rings, Star Wars? Lord of the Rings? 
No. Star Wars? No. Nah, better for you. Right? Um, you know, epics. Right? Everybody is drawn to epics. There is no epic like this. It's an epic story. And it has all the elements, if you study this story, all the elements of an epic. And usually, if you look at stories that, draw, that inspire our hearts and souls, they're never about people... Have you ever se- seen like, beautiful stories where... And you really like, can't, watch, can't wait to watch this movie. So a kid is born with a silver spoon in their, in their mouth. They have everything set for them. They get up, they go to school, get best grades. Then they graduate, get married, beautiful children, incredible, righteous. They live normal lives, no, no illnesses. 780, they die and leave. What do you think of this story? Boring. Nobody wants to watch it. No one will want to watch it. It's like, what is this? That's boring. What do I want to see? Mm, hardship, difficulty, struggle, and then what? Triumph. Isn't that amazing that we're inspired only by people of God through what? Hardship, difficulty, struggle. It speaks to us, to our experiences, and then they made it at the end. We love those stories. We're drawn to them. We're inspired when we're moved by them. Yet when we reflect on our lives, nobody wants any difficulties. Brothers and sisters, hardships are the catalyst for growth and inspiration. Look at heroes throughout history. Any hero. Has there been any hero who didn't struggle? And it's exactly their struggle that inspired us to say, wow, look, they made it. Despite all what? Odds stacked against them. It's those, those people that inspire us more than anybody else that are written in the books. Nobody writes a story in a book about that human being that I just spoke about. Nobody. Who cares? That doesn't move any, any heart or mind. But those who have struggled, endured, faced amazing odds, and yet they you know, made it through, subhanAllah, like we were like moved by them. Here it is. This story has it all. And it speaks to your and my struggle. Two things that come to my mind, aside from the fact that it came to comfort the Prophet Muhammad and it reminds us about Allah, but what does it remind us specifically about Allah? This story, if you look at it, it's all about struggles of Yusuf and inexplicable things happening to him. Inexplicable. Make no sense. I wish I had a board to just draw it for you to see it, witness it. Because it speaks to your experience and by experience. Keep that in mind. Whenever you reflect on Yusuf, Map it back to your own struggles right now, please. Like this, would, this would be one of the practical, implica- you know, applications that, that Subhanallah we can take, take, you know, uh, uh, you know, incorporate into our reflections right now, right now. Story begins with him what, be, you know, Subhanallah, like be, being a, you know, good child, beloved to his parents. Very simple. And he has how many siblings? 11, 11 siblings. The story begins with a dream. We know this dream. And look at it, subhanAllah, like, uh, you know, ends up with what? Some few decades later, four decades later, with the fulfillment of the dream. Just remember that. The story, this narrative, this epic that Allah says the best of stories, began with a dream that he didn't want. Understand. Isn't that life? We don't understand life. We don't understand why things are happening to me. We don't understand the evil. We don't understand why my parents are that way. My children, why are they behaving that way? We don't understand anything. Right? It's like a dream. SubhanAllah. A dream, you understand it. You're asking people to interpret it for you. The life itself becomes the fulfillment of that dream for him. Life itself will show Yusuf what the interpretation is, how, how long after the dream. 
next the following day, month, year, decade, brothers and sisters, more than four decades. That's amazing. That's already a lesson. Allah says, hang in there. The outcome of the meanings shall reveal itself. But not on your timetable. The timetable of who? Allah. Is that dream the fulfillment of everything? Absolutely not. The ultimate fulfillment of the movie, of the meaning of the movie of life is where? Only there. That's it. Because there are factors that we cannot see. Realities that are in that, that other realm that influence this world and your life and my life that we can never access right now. You don't have the eyes to access them. We can see very limited. Right? We can hear limited things. We can understand limited things. Your mind cannot even understand the meaning behind your struggles. Right now, if I, you know, people look for you know, reasons. Like, ah, you got sick. Yeah, it made me closer to Allah, for example. Um, it made me closer to my parents. It humbled me. That's what you think. That's just little tiny scratch on the surface. You're barely scrapping the surface, scraping the surface of the meanings. The, the, the real meanings, oh, Allah will show them one day to you. You have no idea how good it is. But it's the outcome of the meanings, of the purpose, is going to take a long time to be revealed. And will never be revealed fully. That's where trust is. So Allah says, who will really make it at the end? Who will really get to see a beautiful, complete, perfect outcome to everything? Who can be assured that my struggles right now are good? Because there are people who are struggling and it's not good for them. Because guess what? One of the meanings of this surah is, to that. As you do, it shall be what? Done unto you. You play tricks, you play funny things, funny things will happen to you, right? And me. Evil, you saw evil, what happens? Evil will come to you. You saw good, good will come to you. Right? So, a lot of what happens to us is our own making. We can't say, well, I, I'm, you know, we're, we're messed up lives, and we're failing, well, because we're not doing what we're supposed to do, or we are not sincere, or we're, we're bent on evil, and then we say, well, it's in the hands of Allah, and Allah assured us that the, at the end of the struggles, good things will happen. No, it doesn't work that way. Allah says, you own. You have will, you have will, and you, 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 you have ownership over what you do. I mean, we make choices. But Allah is forgiving and mercy. He'll help steer us towards the good, no matter how much we stumble. Allah is not out to get us. But also there are consequences to everything. Yusuf will distinguish him. Because he, like you and me, struggled a lot. And, and just to kind of go back to what he went through, his brothers hated him. Jealousy. Look at the roots of jealousy and malice and what it does. Here it is. As you do, it shall be done unto you. Where did malice of his brothers and their jealousy and hatred take them? Absolute what? loss. Right? They never gained anything they wanted. Isn't that what I mean? It's like, see, we think our malice and hatred can get us to achieve what we want. Hurt someone. You'll never be able to really, you might hurt them physically, but you'll never win. Because there's... SubhanAllah, they will be with Allah Azza wa All these people will get killed, tortured. SubhanAllah, Allah has a different reality. Another reality where they're compensated fully and eternally. And then we get in trouble. Right? So he sees a dream in which he sees, as, as we said, you know, 11 um, planets or stars and the sun and the moon prostrating to him. He doesn't understand that. Where does he go next? My goodness, infinite lessons on parenting here. Where does he go next? He's a little kid. Nine maybe? Ten? That's it. 
He knew exactly to go to the what, father. He had, he had a relationship. And this is one of the things we've emphasized before, even in khutbahs, that when you're struggling in life, who do you go to? Who do you turn to for healing, for, for a safe space to ask questions? Sadly, many of our children do not go to the parents, especially as they get older. Because there's never been a relationship of trust. There's always been a, a relationship of don't ask questions, bad question, horrible, don't you know better, stupid question, all this stuff. You don't know any better, you're still a kid. How often do we have that attitude? Dismissive attitude. And it builds up. So the person psychologically now says, I can't turn to you. Right? So there's, um, you know, actually it breaks what's called a, a secure attachment. The most critical thing for children growing up is building what's called a secure attachment with a caregiver. Secure attachment with a caregiver. And it's built by love, affection, openness, giving a safe space. There's nothing more beautiful than giving a safe space to our children to welcome their questions and, and, and silliness and, and, and uh, innocent looks on life. It's okay. Entertain it, support it, encourage it. And when you encourage it more, they'll come to you with the bigger problems when? Later. Middle school, high school, they'll start to come to you. If you never open the door earlier, they'll never come to you. Yusuf at 8 and now, where is he going? Daddy, I had this dream. And I saw such and such and such. The, the, the dad understood what I... He, he knew interpretation of dreams also. You know, but he understood something from this, right? What did he tell him? He knew right away what it, what, what it was referring to. The 11 stars are referring to your siblings. And the son of one, they're going to prostrate you. What does that mean? You're going to be what? Oh, you're going to have something amazing happen in your life. Something, I don't understand it, only Allah knows it. Something amazing is going to happen to you. That's beautiful. But he understands the 11 stars prostrating to you. Oh my goodness, if your siblings knowing their nature hear this, what's going to happen? Because I know them, they're jealous of you. So Yaqub, a prophet, knew 11 of his children, at least 10. One of them is good, bin Yamin. The other 10 are troublemakers. Now look at the, look at the odds. A prophet of Allah has 12 children, and 10 of them he knows are what? Troublemakers. Now what's the rate of success for this parent? That's not good. 2 out of 12? Oof, that's, you know. But yet he's a prophet of Allah. And these 10 are sons of a prophet. For those of us struggling with our children, or when you see others struggle with their children, just remember this. You know, hearts in the hands of Allah. It took them a long time to recover. Decades. Hope is still, re- subhanAllah, you know, Allah invites us to have hope in Him. Allah is wasi, encompassing. You never know when He'll turn hearts around. Eventually their heart did turn around, but there is a, a method to it. It's the plan of Allah, but Yusuf and Yaqub had to do things to ensure they turn around. Because they could have what? Pushed them away. Let me share with you something happened. I was reading the news of, what's that British singer who embraced Islam? Today, and they left Islam. The one who left oh, Islam. Zayn Malik. Zayn Malik. Zayn Malik left Islam. Like, he's a singer, British singer, born to um, Muslim parent, uh, I think Pakistani father and Irish mother or something yeah, like this. Very famous. And, and, you know, he's young, living it up. And then um, he said, you know what, I'm no longer Muslim. I had an interview two days ago, three days ago with a parent. He said, I'm no longer, I don't want Islam. Again, I believe I'm good. That's all you need in your life. What is this salah? and eating food on which the name of a god is mentioned, makes no sense to me. 
as I believe, as long as you're good, good things will happen. I'm like, so he defined reality. He de- See where the problem has happened? When we lose connection to even the outside world, and we believe on our own terms, we can come up with the truth, and understand how to feel fully, even though no, you're weak. How do you know it's even good, right? Regardless. What should your reaction and my reaction be? Tell me. You heard this. What should your reaction and my reaction be? Yeah, and it's ask Allah to protect us, to, to guide him, right? Gentle, compassionate response. Allah turns hearts. This young man had said a lot of good, by the way, before on social media, in support of amazing causes. Amazing causes that others would shy away from. How of us would look at the good of this young man, and not through his earrings and the tattoos, and oh, right, look at what happened to him, messed up. He never know how Allah can turn his life around to become even better. Another singer recently, what's her name? Became Muslim. Uh, Sinead O'Connor or something. Sin, 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 what is her name? Sinead O'Connor. Sinead yeah. O'Connor became Muslim, and she's like much more famous. SubhanAllah, like what, what happened there? Allah shows you the power of taking somebody from death to life. Lack of faith to faith. Inexplicably. But when, why am I mentioning the story of, of uh, what's his name again? Zayn Malik. Zayn Malik. On Twitter, it caused a firestorm. Yeah. Guess who is like, the firestorm is, of course, caused by? MashaAllah, welcome to the world of Muslims. I read a few of the tweets. Wallahi, well, I was so upset yesterday as I was going through it. One, I'll never forget, a girl, young girl, what's her comment? Muslima, right? Oh my God, I'm so disappointed and sad. Good, so far so good, right? <laughs> right? How can Zayn Malik leave Islam? They like love this man, this young man. Oh my God, Allah will have a special circle of hell for him. I read that, I lost. I couldn't read more. I could not read more. Beyond judgment. Now, I want you to think how he would react if he read that. If he'd already read it, right? And the non-Muslims reading this, what are they going to say? He made the right decision. He made the right decision. Exactly. <laughs> you just pushed him away. Allah is merciful. Inshallah, Allah will bring him back. What kind of a horrible reaction is that? And who are we to judge what his outcome is? See, my poor brothers and sisters, not only just lost hope in him, no, no, had no problem to arrogantly Go out and state that Allah is putting him in the hellfire. No, no, no. Special circle of hell for him. Subhanallah. This is fitna. This is far more dangerous than what Zain did. This person, yeah, person who said this, and many did say this. Yeah. I'm just quoting one tweet. Wallahi, I say, may Allah guide them before anybody else and guide all of us. Because they're taught by people also on the pulpit who speak like this. This is our culture. It's horrible. But this is, most people that I see who left Islam left it because of this. Because of this attitude of harshness, judgmentality, criticism, and deciding the fate of people. Wallahi, the reactions of the tweets that I read, non-Muslims who are commenting on this, they were disgusted. Like, take it easy on the man. Leave him alone. Poor thing, they're like, indeed, what kind of a religion is that? And you don't really say anything negative about the religion, quite honestly. But Muslims, mashallah, made sure that what's left in the minds of people is negative. And, he, and, the, and they dismiss the effect on his own heart. Whose heart? The majority of the reactions are like this, and then very few are positive? SubhanAllah. Yeah. That's sad. That speaks of our ignorance, brothers and sisters, and how distant we are from the knowledge of who Allah is. Brothers of Yusuf, decades. 
wicked. They wanted to kill their brother. And Allah guided them at the end. That's my point. What happens next? He said, don't tell the story to your brothers. They're jealous. He told them the truth. That's amazing. That's an extraordinary level of maturity in the conversation. Yaqeedu oh, They're going to scheme against you. So just protect yourself. Don't share this dream. We're also here taught to be secretive about good things that can happen. Don't share it with everybody. Don't tout it because you never know how it affects hearts. That's why this social media thing and the whole pretensions, everybody is like, every single time I see easy on, on I don't know, I don't want to be specific, but especially these cuddly, feel-good pictures with your, I don't know, our spouse celebrations and the loved ones and oh, we're having the, our, the time of our lives. You never know how it affects hearts of people. And it invites also jealousy. Why are we touting all of them? I have no idea. Yet, that's all what social media is about. Pretending to have perfect lives. And then coming out, out into the world and saying, announcing it, and inviting trouble to yourself and to others. That's why people are depressed when they go on social media. <laughs> they start believing falsely that this is real. It's not real. It's pretensions. Pretensions. Fake appearances that hide the truth. But it gives us this temporary relief feel good when we see the likes, 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 and nobody likes you, but they're liking you there, right? SubhanAllah. So here it is, don't tell them. Then he gave them good news. You see, you're going to face trouble in life. He knows trouble is coming his way, because it has to be a struggle before a triumph. He says, Beautiful, brothers and sisters, in, in parenting, in working with others. In verse 6, he tells his own son, hang in there, Allah is going to pick you. And Allah is going to teach you the interpretation of dreams and, and, and understanding the, the understanding revelation. And He's going to complete His favors on you and upon the family of Yaqub, as He has done so on your fathers beforehand, Ibrahim and Ishaq. What is He telling him? You're a good man. Oh Yusuf, you're good. And you're going to find good things in your life and Allah is going to pick you. You're going to have great things happening in your future. Why is He telling him this? To do what to his heart? And so lift it up, give them hope, inspiration. Brothers and sisters, in the midst of all negativity, we have to pump people up, lift their hearts and souls, raise their self-esteem, especially with our children. Our children oftentimes receive a lot of uh, discouragement from us as parents. You're not good enough. Never good enough. He's saying, no, no, you're amazing. Keep it up. Push, right? And understand at the end, Allah, it pays off. Allah's going to pick you. This is an incredible assurance to Yusuf before he starts the journey of what? Trial. He's going to be always reminded, good things are going to happen. Allah's going to pick me. That's what the believer rests on, but we need it from others around us. Now what happens next? Indeed, the brothers scheme exactly as the dream was anticipating. Not the dream, the, 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 uh, the thoughts of, you know, this is what uh, Yaqub thought. They're going to scheme on him and they schemed already without even knowing the dream. They schemed on him and did what? Because they saw extra love for the fa- from the father to him. And that shows you, you can't love people equally necessarily, right? And, and you know, you might be closer to one child than another. But ultimately you have to treat them equally. But you might be drawn to one. And he was drawn more to Yusuf. Why? Yusuf is special. He's a better child than the rest of them. They'll never see this. By the way, siblings that are troublemakers, they'll never see that the other that is more liked is, is, is behaving better, for example. That's our shortcoming, right? Shortcoming. But, so, 
This came and they made up this whole plot. Oh, you know, they went to their father saying, oh, dad. I mean, beforehand they said, let's go like, uh, I don't know, like uh, um, kidnap him and, and, and just kind of send him away or something. And, and, and no, actually they said, let's kill him initially. Imagine this, imagine how hate, where hatred can take you. Literally they said, let's kill him. Let's kill him, right? I mean, what kind of a sibling would get to a point where they're willing to kill their own brother? Again, in case we think we have problematic families and siblings, right? Siblings are always like fighting. Well, they're like, compare yourselves to the siblings of Yusuf. Allah gave us prophets here who had to go through this. His own brothers wanted to kill him, had no issue doing this. One of them stands up who is a little bit softer. He said, no, 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 don't kill him. What? He couldn't take the thought of killing him. So let's get rid of him. But without killing him. So let's throw him where? Into a well. And death will happen naturally. At least it, it wasn't in our, with our hands. But still, he's dead. SubhanAllah, they're like, what a brilliant idea. What a brilliant... Can you imagine 10 people talk about um, group thing? That happens when you're around people who are evil. Like even the good amongst them will start following. And pursuing the same, the same, the same plans, evil plans and wicked plots. That's scary when we're surrounded by evil and evil thoughts. They go scheme against their father and they lie. Look at everything starting with hatred leading to lies. Brothers and sisters, one of the major lessons of the surah is that evil doesn't come singularly. Acts of evil, feelings of evil, they have to come in what? Like in 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 in, in just assemblies of, of, of acts of evil. One leads to another. And the other leads to another. Makes sense? So the hatred led to lies. They went to their father and they lied. said, oh, we want to just take Yusuf and play with him outside in the desert. He knew it. He's like, no, 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 not Yusuf. Please, please, please. They kept pressuring. Pressuring. Pressuring because they had a what? Evil plan. Evil goal to achieve. But sisters, when people have something nasty in their heads, they'll manipulate, they'll go to that they'll go to distance to achieve it. They, they will not take that as maybe a reminder. Maybe, you know what, maybe we should rethink this. Days have passed and they're dwelling on their plan. It shows you the power of the shaitan or, or what ha- the power of what happens when we open our hearts and minds to the shaitan. That's it. We're taken over by evil. So, they consist on their father to give to, to let Yusuf go play with them in the desert. They assure him, they said, Don't worry, we're there's eleven of us, we'll take care of him if anything bad happens. Are you kidding? Are you not trusting us? Look at so they, they play psychology on him. Are you not trusting us? My goodness, we're the character, we're the brothers of Yusuf who are older than him, manipulating psychologically to achieve their goals. Eventually he succumbs because they're his brothers and he doesn't want to be too obvious, right? He says, Okay, and he's worried. So they take Yusuf. What do they do to Yusuf? Brothers and sisters, again we read superficially these verses. We have no, we don't even understand how much they hurt him before they throw him into the well. They didn't just say, hey Yusuf, let's just go, go into the well. We'll, we'll just uh, kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, throw you in gently or put a ladder down and then you can climb down and inshallah we'll see you next life. They were doing what to him? Beating him up? Beating Literally tearing his, uh, his clothes on him, brothers and sisters, ripping it apart, smacking him. In, can you imagine just the foul language they were using against him when they finally, like they were with him in the desert by themselves, like, come here, boy. You think we're going to play with you today? Right? 
Can you imagine his fear? Nine, ten-year-old, ten of his siblings beating him up, shouting at him, insulting him, and then discovering, imagine the terror, they're about to throw me into a well. It's not an easy experience. And he indeed finds himself in the bottom of the well. So what, what this story, so where did this story begin? Began with him uh, living a good life. Love of a parent. That's a high point or a low point in our lives? It's a very high point. Look at now the lack of, the absence of logic. Human logic in this story. Human logic. It starts right here. Where did it take him, that love of a father and a mother? Taken to a low point, which is what? Major trial, hatred of his siblings and their jealousy, attempt to murder him. Throw him into a well. What happens next? They leave him. They go right to the father. Oh, they take a shirt. They take his shirt, which was, you know, subhanAllah, you know, they put some fake, what is it? Blood stains on it. And they start to cry. Oh, dad, oh, look at what happened to him. It's like, what? can you imagine his reaction now? His grief. This is a story of grief of a father and, 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 and of how our hearts ache in life because of the difficulties of life. What greater shock could happen to a human being uh, and, 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 and a cause for sadness than a father or mother losing their child this way? The most beloved to them. There's nothing worse than this. Worse trial than this. Here he is. Imagine his reaction. He saw this shirt. Imagine his reaction as he is hearing the words, Yusuf is lost. Yusuf, the, the wolf ate him in front of us. Right? What happened to his heart? How much did it sink? How much was it shocked? And then, you know, the, subhanAllah, the understanding is that he knew. Because it didn't make sense. The, the shirt wasn't even probably ripped. It didn't look like the, 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 it was ripped by, by, a, um, by a wolf at least from the appearance of it, he knew they were up to something. And he knew from the dream even. Why, how did the dream tell him that this could not have happened? The dream of Yusuf. What do you think? Did the father know that he was, he was dead? Do you think he was... He knew that he was not probably dead. But how did he know that? Aside from the fact that he is a prophet of Allah, and Allah may have given him an inspiration, understanding. Exactly. The dream said, the sun and the moon, me and my wife and, and my child are going to prostrate to him. He can't be dead. Does that make sense? But he didn't know what's happening. And it's still, it's uncertainty. So even though, look at this person. So even though we know the promise of Allah will be fulfilled, it doesn't mean you cannot be grieving. It doesn't mean you cannot be confused. It doesn't mean you cannot be sad. Make sense? Yusuf, excuse me, Yaqub, even though, again, he knew Allah is in control. Good things shall happen at the end. Beautiful outcomes shall occur. Yusuf is going to be triumphant one day, but where is he? Was he saying, oh, who cares? We're good. Allah's taking care of business. Hey, let's go have uh, eat together, kids. Did he say this? He was devastated. So, so the fact that we trust in Allah doesn't mean we cannot be sad. That's my point. He was sad. He was uncertain. He was horrified by what happened. Right? And we, he asked for something. He said something. The only thing that can sustain me now is what? Sabrun jamil. Patience. This is nothing else. Brothers and sisters, patience is not something fictitious, theoretical. It's a real thing that needs to be cultivated. Right? It's hard too. We see it easily. Say we, 
We say to people, lecture them, say, hey, have patience, have patience. Like, it's not easy. Like, be gentle, even when we say have patience. Because, you know, it's, it's, uh, we, we should actually be praying for people to have patience and ourselves because it's a, it's, a, it's a provision from Allah. It's not an easy thing. We need to ask Allah to grant us that strength. Don't assume you can just have it. Right? And he asked for that patience. He said, فَصَبُرٌ جَمِيلٌ Ya Allah, beautiful, contented patience. Jameel here means a form of patience where I really fully trust in Allah Azza wa Jal. Not just to say, oh, I have to hang in there, but my heart is absolutely unhappy with Allah Azza wa Jal. Jameel is like trusting, right? Trusting, uh, enduring patience. Where you don't look at Allah negatively. You look at Him in, in a trusting way, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a matter that, that um, uh, you know, reveals... Um, certitude, understanding that he's in control, etc., etc. That's what he asked for. Because he has no idea what's going to happen or what has happened to the son. Later we know that the caravan comes and picks him up. Now these caravans were also troublemakers. The caravan that passed, they saw a boy, they, fetched, they were trying to fetch water, they find a boy. Right? Now, were they like, oh, let's return him to his family. What did they say? Oh, we can sell him. Look at this. Beautiful, he is beautiful. You know, Yusuf had half the beauty of creation. They saw this beauty, like, oh, like treasure. This is better than anything we could have found. Troublemakers themselves. And look at the, imagine now the child finally sees himself being fetched. There's hope, and suddenly you see troublemakers who say, hide him, hide him amongst the, 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 um, the stuff that they were carrying in their caravan, and we'll sell him when we reach our destination in Egypt, they're going to Egypt. Subhanallah. Imagine now the, the, the kid now, so he's been harmed by his siblings. They wanted him dead. Now he's being sold as what? Slave. Slave. This is the most honorable. Allah, the Prophet called him Al-Kareem ibn Al-Kareem ibn Al-Kareem. He's called him the, Kareem means the, the good. Probably best translation. The good, son of the good, son of the good. Because he's the son of who? Yaqub, son of Ishaq, the good, fourth one, sorry. He's the son of Yaqub, who's the son of Ishaq, who's the son of Ibrahim. What kind of, what greater lineage can you have? What greater worth can you have? And you're sold as a what? Slave. So when we're mistreated, that doesn't diminish value or worth. Because nobody could have been mistreated worse than Yusuf. To the point where he's sold as a slave at a young age, and imagine the terror of that. Slavery is not fun, right? At any time in, in history. Here he is in Egypt, imagine the uncertainty of Yusuf. And he must have been clinging on to the dream still, what his father said. Remember what he said, Don't worry, so Allah's going to take care of you. One thing you're going to see in this story is the steadfastness of Yusuf from a young age. Allah affirmed him up, he's a prophet of Allah, right? But that hope in something good happening kept him going also. And his trust in Allah from a very young age. He gets sold in Egypt, and who ends up buying him? So, so far we started high, we went low, and then another low. Then he's going to get sold. Who's going to buy him? Exactly. Somebody from the house of Aziz. What's Aziz? The Aziz is like a minister. The minister of finance and, and the treasury. The minister of the treasury. Anybody else could have bought him? Because they're looking at a lot of bunch of young slaves, right? 
And he could have, they could have, anybody could have picked him up from the wealthy class, from normal person who had the money. But the best of the best in society, rank-wise, status-wise, bought him. Subhanallah. Allah had a what? A plan. And it happened that this man is managing the treasury. See, there is a plan for what he's going to even learn at his hands. Subhanallah. We have no idea who we meet in our lives and why we meet them. What circumstances push us in different directions to meet our destinies. Yusuf had no idea he's going to become, uh, he's going to learn the skills of the trade. To ultimately do what? Save the whole country. Save the whole state. Excuse me, the nation. Not state, no country. No country is in states then. The whole nation is going to be saved by his goodness and his skills at what? Managing the treasury. But what is he going to learn managing the treasury? From the man who bought him as a slave. Who could have orchestrated this? Only Allah Azza wa That's why when, when supposedly evil things happen, you have no idea why they're pushing you. We probably need to be pushed in another direction to acquire the provisions we need to meet our destinies. But we reject and complain. Right? You know, Yusuf was flowing, trusting. Allah is taking care of things. Despite the fear though. It wasn't like he wasn't afraid. He was afraid. They put him in their home. So is this a high point or a low point? It's going back to hope. Hope. So it started high with his father's love, his parents' love. Well, death, kidnapping, slavery. Now, alhamdulillah, doors opened. Now, when doors open in our lives, what happens? Oh, we're happy. We think, that's it. It's over. There shouldn't be any more what? Grief, sadness, bad news. Is this how life proceeds? Never. Our lives alternate between conditions of what? Hardship and ease. Then what? Hardship and ease. Hardship and ease. That's how it is. Until the, the last breath. Many of us mistakenly wait for paradise to happen on earth. I'm telling you, the greatest source of depression for people on earth. Why they you know, stumble on their faces. And bring miseries to themselves is because of false expectations of life. It has to be perfect marriage, perfect job, perfect children. And I am struggling, struggling, but when the door opens, relief, that's it, we're free. No, we're not. Until what? Last breath. The celebration for the believer occurs when their soul leaves this earth. That's a day of... Allah says, لا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون. He says, you see, you're going to face grief here, loss, continuously. It's part of life for your heart to ache and be sad. That's the nature of life. Also coupled with moments of relief. He said, and you'll get to a point where there's no more, no more sadness, no more fear, when? He says, when you depart from this earth, not before. Now imagine living life without adjusting this expectation. We're going to be stumbling all the time. And when your expectations are failing, what happens to our hearts? We become angry, resentful, disappointed. Check most people's lives, you'll see it. Subhanallah, uh, uh, revealing this human nature. Here is at a high now. He is now welcomed into a beautiful home, honored. And the father, Aziz says, take care of him. Take care of him. Subhanallah, command of Allah, to take care of this young man. So he's treated well. What happens? His wife, troublemaker. Here is another troublemaker in the story. She falls in love with him despite his young age. She's attracted to him because he had possessed incredible beauty. And she saw him growing up in her household. And she was his owner. She was his owner. 
So when he becomes a teenager of years now, he's, he's being, by the way, really beautiful, great life now. Under the care of the Aziz and his um, servants and so on and so forth. He's learning from him. And he becomes a teenager. And what does she do? She had a plot. She wanted to seduce this man. And the, and the Quran reveals the story. She, she gets him into a room, locks up the doors. And she says, Hey, Talak, I'm here. Right? And you can imagine the details. He's terrified. What's happening here? Right? Now, Allah said something amazing. We can draw infinite lessons from this and spend hours and hours commenting on human psychology. Allah says, وَلَقَدْ هَمَّتْ بِهِ وَهَمَّ بِهَا لَوْلَ He would have, he would have gone or entertained the seductions. And she could have proceeded had he not what? Seen and witnessed the evidences of his Lord. Something happened in his heart at that moment. He said, if Allah, Allah says, if there's this one thing that didn't happen in his heart, he could have just entertained the request. He would have buckled. Because, by the way, he had every reason to do it. She, she owns him. He says, oh, I'm a slave. What am I going to do? I'm in trouble if I say no. Right? He had every reason. And fact of the matter is, he's a young teenager. So he had, the, he had the, the hormones, the temptations. Sure, he's a prophet of Allah, but he's a human being. Allah says, naturally, if I didn't put in him, in his heart, something in that moment, he could have just proceeded and she would have proceeded. But he said, I planted in his heart a witnessing. A witnessing of what? Presence of Allah. You know, when you're about to do something bad, I don't know, maybe hit someone, or you say, oh, Allah's here. That, that thought in the heart is from Allah Azza wa And Allah tells us, how do you know that in, that in the moment we're about to buckle, cheat, hit, steal, do something nasty that upsets Allah's sin, how do you know that Allah will protect you in that moment? Do you and I have guarantees that we'll think like Yusuf? No one. If Yusuf could have done it, if Allah didn't firm him up, how about you and me? Of course we could buckle. So how do we have that strength from Allah in that moment? Allah says the following, very simple rule. You remember the story of Yunus? Allah said, had he not been present with Allah, remembering Allah before the trial, he would not have saved him. Make sense? So what is it that saved Yunus in the belly of the fish? The fact that he was before the trial remembering Allah. So Allah is saying, if you remember me times with ease, I remember you when? Times of difficulty. So Yusuf, because he's been a good child, in the moment of difficulty, subhanAllah, Allah firmed him up. So it's not from you and me, brothers and sisters. And all it takes is a strong uh, um, feeling of belief in that moment of trial. That's what makes all the difference. And it's only, it can only come from Allah. Story proceeds, the door opens. Right? And who's at the door? Aziz himself. Right? What happened? She, she freaks out. She understands. Of course, Yusuf was trying to do what? Run away from her. He was trying to run away from her. But she locked up the doors and she grabbed him from behind and ripped his shirt from behind. She says, oh, He was about to hurt me. He was about to hurt me. She lied. That's what happens with the nature of evil. You know, they, you know it generates more evil and more lies. She lies. And he's now, you know, like shocked by what's happening. He says, no, I didn't do anything. It's her. 
So anyway, they, they suggest somebody from outside, the story spreads in the palace, and now somebody suggests, let's bring a, uh, uh, somehow let's, let's somebody, why, said, oh, let's look at the shirt where it was ripped. If it was ripped from the front, that means who was trying to hurt who? Yusuf was trying to hurt her, because she's trying to push him away. And, you know, and grab onto his shirt. If, if she's trying to hurt him, he would be running away. She grabbed his shirt. Very simple. They look at the shirt and it's ripped from the back. The evidence is there. Now, remember the theme of the shirts. The first shirt in the story was presented with what? Fake blood. It was a lie. The second shirt presented what? Proof of innocence. Proof of innocence. SubhanAllah. The shirt also. You're going to find the shirt another time appearing in the story. Right? Did they take the evidence? Mm-mm. Even though it was visible, right? Real proof of his innocence. They said, oh, our reputation. Our reputation. So the father said, you know, don't, you know the Aziz said, just don't talk about this story. And he knew his, his wife is up to trouble, right? But he wanted to kind of conceal everything. Later, what did they do to Yusuf? They put him in jail. Despite his innocence. Is that a higher law? Well, seduction... My goodness, and he's going to be in prison for how long? Some say nine years. Decade, brothers. Decade. Can you imagine not understanding? This is not a day or a month or a year. Decade of your life. In darkness. Abyss. Imagine back then. I mean, prisons are never fun at any time. But, but subhanAllah, what darkness is that? What you're going to see in Yusuf is throughout this struggle, he maintained his trust and hope in Allah Azza wa Even though he didn't understand anything. Why is this happening to me? How illogical can this be to a, a, a man who's good, who's a prophet of Allah Azza wa And we know the story. So it's another law now in his life that doesn't make sense. You know, two people come in to look at the plan of Allah orchestration. Who, come, who comes into prison with him to be, his, to be his cellmates? Two people who worked for who? The king. SubhanAllah. Look, who could have arranged this? And they had what? They got to, first of all, they got to know him. What did they say about him? How did, what kind of character did he present? Incredible, incredibly good character. He was caring for his cellmates, brothers and sisters. He wasn't isolating himself, saying, oh, look at these disgusting people. Right? Horrible people he used to work for the king and this and that. He was so good and generous and kind with everybody around him, so caring. So people got to know him. So this is prophetic. Most of us want to preach to people, to be good. But this is people will never be impacted by us unless we're present in their lives. Showing them authentic care, right? Generosity, help, relief when they need relief. To assume that you know, this whole notion of goodness and teaching people good is just going to come from a pulpit, from preaching, actually... It is, is, a, is, is, a, is a testament to our ignorance of how Allah has set the path. Allah says, no, no, this doesn't work. Prophet Muhammad was present with the people throughout their lives. Didn't isolate himself. Was good, was trustworthy, was generous and kind and helpful. So people turned to him. Right Now people can be inspired by you and be moved by you. That's what Yusuf did in the prison. He was the best. So when they had a dream, who did they go to? The one we trust. SubhanAllah, here it is again. People will turn to you when they need you, if they trust you. But it was years of building that relationship. And that's what we're often not willing to do. Sweat. Work hard 
on helping others in our lives and without a, without a return. Without a return. That's prophetic. They came and they said we had a dream and the dream was, inshallah, we'll wrap up with, inshallah, with a couple of lessons commenting on this because, you know, the story again, we all know it. They, one of them said, well, I saw in the dream that I'm, uh, that I'm doing what? Who, who remembers? What is it? Sorry? One of them said making wine. I saw myself making wine in the dream. And then the other said what? He said, I saw on my head bread, carrying bread on my head, and the birds are eating from it. Nabi he said, we don't understand dreams. It seems like you're a good man who's knowledgeable. Tell us, what does this mean? He knew what it meant. One of them is going to be dead. And the other is going to be free. What did he say? A dead man. Dead man walking. Did he say that? Okay, take it easy, guys. He assured them. He said, Don't worry, don't worry. I'm going to tell you the dream interpretation. Just hang in there. Just dream. What did he tell them next? Allah, la ilaha illallah. He brought him now to what? To where he, what he, want, where he wanted them to go. He didn't preach that before. That's amazing. He didn't like, force it before. When the opportunity came for a conversation about Allah, he, he brought her up. He said, and, and this is critical. He said, He took their vision where? Allah is present. There is no God but He. Others mean nothing. Why is that important, especially to the man who is about to be killed? Because if I tell you, hey, dead. Good luck. You ask for the interpretation. That's devastating. He took his vision where? Allah. So that when he hears the news, what? He has hope. He has hope. Subhanallah. So he taught them this, broke some bread with them, then he gave them the interpretation. Subhanallah. So he gave them hope in the future, was there, present for them. He gave them the answer. He didn't hide it. No, he gave them because they, they had a question. He had to fulfill their needs. But he fulfilled his needs after connecting them to Allah. The story goes and they leave the prison. Exactly what he predicted happened. Right? And one of them, the one who prepared the wine, ends up going back into the court of the king. Another dream happens later. And Yusuf is stuck in the prison. And he asked the guy who left, please talk to them about me. Talk to them about me. What happened to that man? He forgot. Because he got busy with a good life. Forgot about the man who helped him in prison. He could have also said, why, why, why? Right? When is this going to be over? Right? Now who has a dream? Story of dreams. The king has a dream. And I don't want to go into the, again, the details of the dream. He sees seven ears of corn and seven, you know, seven big cows being eaten by seven thin cows, etc., etc., right? And so he has no idea. He asks people around him, nobody understands the dream. And he's struggling. This is years later after that guy left the prison. What does he remember, this guy? He's hearing the story from the court of the king that the king had a dream. What does he remember? <gasps> I remember my dream years ago. Oh shoot, Yusuf, I forgot about Yusuf. I was supposed to talk about him, Right? I was supposed to bring up his story and I forgot. He goes to the king and he says that. Or the assistance of the king. I know somebody in prison. He interpreted my dream, etc. He knows how to interpret these dreams. Who orchestrated all of this? Allah. In extraordinary ways. Even a dream is being planted by Allah. By who? To dream it. SubhanAllah. So the king sends to him. And they go to him in prison. And they, they, they want to really take him out. He says, I'm not leaving. He says, I'm not leaving. 
And this is what well, about the dream? He says, I'll give you the interpretation of the dreams. He gives them the interpretation of the dreams. You're going to have seven years of what? Of hardship, of, of, of drought, excuse me, seven good years, seven good years of prosperity, followed by what? Seven years of drought. Did he withhold the dream? Interpretation? Never. He, when they asked him, brothers and sisters, for the meaning, he gave it right away, but he says, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving the prison. Why did he say, I'm not leaving? Who, who knows? He said, I'm going to be, I, my reputation is more important than anything else. I'm not going to leave on your own terms until my name is cleared. SubhanAllah, look at this honor. He said, I'll stay the rest of my life here if I have to. So the king goes and he hears, he goes to investigate. And what happens in the investigation? The woman itself, herself, acknowledges what happens. Make sense? So his innocence is declared. Only then did he what? Leave. He says, now that you've declared my innocence, could have gone into more detail into how this has unfolded. Now that you've declared my, my innocence, I'll leave. So he left as a free man, but also as an innocent man. And everybody acknowledged the woman that schemed against him, the wife of Aziz, everybody says, this was a good man. It's, it's me who did this to him. SubhanAllah. He goes into the court of the king. The king is like, can I hire you? <laughs> right? Who are you? What kind of a good man are you? He's, what did he say? Nah, nah, nah. Let me go back into the desert. He says, let me, let me take care of the treasury for you. He learned it from where? From Aziz. All these years of training. And he understood his own strength to save the nation. This nation is going to face trouble. I can take care of it. Which shows us that we need to step up to the occasion when we're asked, brothers and sisters. No shying away when, it's, when we're needed and when we understand that our skills can be used. Make sense? So he puts that together a plan to save up, you know, essentially during times of prosperity for them to be saved when the drought happens. Exactly what he predicted or uh, interpreted the dream to be ended up happening. An amazing story, brothers and sisters. Later now, he's one of the most honored because he became the savior of Egypt. The savior of Egypt, brothers and sisters. Who is now needing food and experiencing the drought? The family of Yaqub. And Yaqub sends his children looking for food where? In Egypt. And who is it that went there? The brothers. And we know the story, right? Eventually, they end up, you know, Yusuf understands that they're there. Because they came asking and they told him some Bedouins have come, right? And he ends up learning that it's his siblings. And he invites them into his court and they had no idea it was him. He keeps Binyamin there, remember the condition? He said, I'm not going to give you any food until you keep your brother, this brother you told me about with me. And they go bring him, right? From their father, etc., etc. He keeps the brother, right? He says, I'm not leaving him because of the whole thing he plotted on the cup that was stolen, right? Go read if you forgot the details. The brothers go back. The father, Yaqub, discovers that his now second son is missing. He loses what? Eyesight. His grief was so profound, he lost his eyesight, brothers and sisters. Talk about grief, an experience of grief. But then Yusuf had a plan, right? God about Allah Azza wa Jal. He says, go back and grab, take my shirt. Here's the shirt again. Well, they discover it's Yusuf. He says, do you know who I am? They said, yeah, you're Yusuf. Oh my goodness, and we messed up, right? He says, don't worry about it. Just go grab your father. Take my shirt and throw it on him. They take back the shirt, brothers and sisters of Yusuf, and 
And, and, and it said actually, before the shirt arrived, he smelled it. He smelled it from a distance as they were coming. He says, Inni ajidu. I am finding the smell of Yusuf somewhere. SubhanAllah. And they come back and they throw the shirt on him and his eyesight comes back. SubhanAllah. Allah Azza wa That's it. That's the plan of Allah Azza wa And the father and the mother, they all go back to Yusuf. They go into his court and they do what? Prostrate. This is not a prostration of worship, by the way. It's of honor, fulfillment of the dream that happened several decades ago. Now, what did Allah say? I'm going to wrap up with two verses. Allah says, lesson one, إِنَّهُ مَنْ يَتَّقِي وَيَصْبِرْ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُضِيعُ أَجْرَ الْمَسِينَ Two things you have to have. In the midst of all the difficulties, uncertainties, disappointments, setbacks, failures, evil. He says, it is he who has fear of Allah, sincere, conscious of Allah. Allah matters in your mind. Right? If you have that, and you're avoiding things that upset Allah Azza wa Jalla, What's the second condition? You have to be patient. Because it's difficult. It makes no sense to you. Look, look at the story of Yusuf, how it oscillated. Nothing makes sense. If you have patience in the plan of Allah, and you fear Allah Azza wa conscious of Him, Allah will deliver what? Ajr al-Muhsineen. You're going to get the best outcomes from Allah Himself. For sure. The second, وَاللَّهُ غَالِبٌ عَلَىٰ أَمْرِهِ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا Allah says, the plan that will dominate, overpowers the plan of who? Allah. You have a plan, I have a plan, the fools have plans, evil people have plans, armies have plans, wicked people have plans, good people have plans. Whose plan is going to dominate? Allah says it. Only my plan. Even if you get fooled sometimes thinking their plan worked, it didn't work. It's still, a, a, it's, it's still being used by Allah Azza wa Jal for His own plan. Look at the, the brothers of Yusuf. Initially they thought their plan is working. Did it? They never got anything. It looked like they got something, but they got nothing. The plan of the wife of Aziz, did it work? Failure. At the end, no evil plan works, brothers and sisters, and still the plan of Allah is the one that worked. But when? It took what? Years. Years, brothers and sisters. Again, when we look at reality around us, around us, think, oh my God, the power, the, the, you know, the, the wicked, look at the evil, look at what they're doing, and they're able to do it. Mm-mm-mm. It's all temporary. It's part of the plan of Allah. For him to what? Achieve his own plan that dominates over everything. And inshallah, we'll stop here, inshallah, and open the floor for reflections. And You know, as you've seen, like, we can spend hours and hours just hearing the story again and still being enchanted by it, aren't we? Ahsan al-Qasas. And may Allah, wallahi, I say, may Allah relieve us, comfort us, and heal our hearts in the midst of our troubles. Inshallah, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, as, 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 a, as an ammunition and as, as a provision from the story itself that we just read. Allahumma, may Allah fulfill these meanings in our lives. Allahumma, amin. Inshallah, go ahead, inshallah, and then I'll come back to you. I, I think the beauty of this surah is it's so chronological. So it's, it flows from. Tell them not next week. About next week. No, When you're going to do it? Okay. Okay. So this is a unique. It flows through step by step. Mm-hmm. It gives you the whole 
one person is in the center of the story and it starts from the start, the very start and it ends up in a way without any other mention. Mm -hmm. So that's the uniqueness of that. Now, you know, if you look at the stories that are Mufassirin, mm -hmm. they have deduced a thousand moral lessons from this surah. And the main, main thing is that there's never lose hope in Allah. That's the main message there. And that's what, you know, surah was uh, revealed to address the situation of Prophet Muhammad at that time. Thousands so how that's amazing absolutely Absol absolutely absolutely uh, it's, it's like how literature can be three times right the grief exactly the that's true one, the innocent the declaration yeah the shirt third time the shirt was used Right, I mean, again, remember when we spoke of an epic? What would you find for a beautiful narrative and fictional story even? What could have come up with that? Just on the shirt. Three times appearing and, and um, kind of um, uh, fulfilling that role in the story. Powerful role in the story and in a metaphorical way, but in a real way. It's an amazing thing. Only, only the, the divan could have written this, could have authored this in real life, by the way. So, uh, with your permission, I actually have two lessons, and they're totally unrelated. Sure, sure, of course, so of course. Want to comment, like, sure. After one, so um, one of the th this is more general. One of the things about Surah Yusuf that really fascinates me is, and convinces me that it is one of the best stories in all of mankind, is the universality of Sayyidina Yusuf والسلام, with marginalized groups. I mean, he represents almost every facet of an oppressed group. And I actually took down some notes, if I can read that. So, like, sure. for example, he was homeless. He was trafficked. He's a person of color. He was abused as a child. He was an immigrant. He was an object of sexual harassment. He was a refugee. He was a part of the uh, prison industrial complex. And then, after all of that, he became part of the 1%, which in and of itself is a fitna. Because how many times do we say the phrase, you know, power corrupts? And he was in a position of authority, and yet he still kept his purity, I guess you could say. Uh, so that was number one. That was number one? That was number one. <laughs> oh, that's number one. I love you. Uh, I love Shabbos. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, number two was something you actually mentioned earlier was um, the, I mean, I'll just say, like, one of the big themes about Surah Yusuf is the idea that families are not utopic. Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes we kind of have this image of how our families should be, how they should act, and I mean how. And we talked about atheism before. I mean, let's be real here. How many times are young people pushed out of Islam because of the oppression by their mm -hmm. family? I mean, mm -hmm. you talk about it all the time, and I know it from personal experience. How many times, like, oh, you know, my father, you know, and or this auntie and uncle told me, you know, my hijab's not, not long enough, or my beard is not sunnah length. Why are you waging war against Allah and His Messenger? You know, like stupid stuff like that. Yeah, waging war. I like that. <laughs> Because of like, your beard. Yeah. Waging war against Allah and Sunnah. Right. It's, it's, but it's, it's stupid stuff like that. that right. Because a lot of people don't really think about these philosophical issues. It's because of the character of people that pushes them away. And there are prophetic examples of how we should respond to evil family members from Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam, Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam's perspective. 
when you're dealing with fam- with evil family members, it doesn't it doesn't necessitate you having to leave Islam. It just means you have to build a stronger relationship with Allah to overcome those obstacles. And then from the perspective of Sayyidina Yaqub you know, just because you have evil family members, it's not a reflection of your bad character. It's just you just have to have hope in them in the hopes that eventually down the line there will be redemption for them. Because there was redemption for them, for those ten brothers later on. So those are my shabbos. He did it again. Get us enough to. May Allah bless you, Shabbat. Beautiful lessons. Glad you took notes. Take notes on the second one, too. Please do. Actually, on your second one. Please do. Jazakallah. Uh, beautiful. And, and you know, you see the unpacking. That's why when you were mentioning the moral lessons, infinite, even uh, statements on our social reality, economic, political reality, stratification in society, what happens to our minds when we are in the 1% versus when, when we are the, as you said beautifully, the marginalized, the underprivileged, what are our attitudes? We've seen this in the story of Nuh. What did they want to do with Nuh? When he was surrounded by poor people, they said, we're not going to even fu- entertain your message until you do what? Abandon that segment of the society. What did he say? No way. That, what, a, what a powerful ethical stance. No way. We see exactly the same thing happening with Yusuf salam. So this is actually an incredible theme with prophets, is that they were present amongst the, as you said, the marginalized, and, and supportive of them. They never abandoned them. They knew also how to come back to them in their support when they what? When life opened up for them. They didn't say, I'm, I'm now kind of disconnecting from where I came from. They were always loyal, supportive, because their goal was one, serve Allah and serve people. Nothing for themselves, Right? But incredible, beautiful sto- stories, indeed, indeed, of also redemption, as you said. Redemption of Allah, brothers, this is powerful. And please remember, it can happen at any moment. Never lose hope in anyone. Never lose hope in anyone. In ourselves either, right? You never know when it will happen, but we don't take the baby steps with Allah, nothing happens. And provision for struggle. This is a story about how do you have provision when you're struggling to get yourself through it without losing your faith? We have to take the baby steps with Allah beforehand. And ask Allah, I would say, ask Allah for your help. Allah. Say, Allah, sustain me in times of trial. Protect me from trial, but grant me the pay. Pour patience on me in, in times of difficulty when I encounter difficulty such that I'm faithful in you and trusting in you. Make sense? So, but life is going get, to get us there no matter what. I mean, it's, it's constant. The, the God. Prophet Yaqub was not mistreating the other ten children. No, he wasn't, that's I mean, true. He was just with the, each child. You know, he's a prophet. I mean, how could he not be? But he has a certain affection for, for Yusuf. I mean, that was people, the other brothers were so jealous about that. And they, they start, you know, when you, when you yeah. take something, oh, he's taking away our attention because that was not the case. That was not the case, that's true. They were all treated equally. That's true, that's true. But they sense that sentiment so from him. Right. Absolutely. But, but you know what's beautiful also? The Qur'an is real about sentiment. Sometimes we also make things, certain things so um, abnormal and inhuman. Like we make prophets even inhuman. Like he had feelings. He did prefer one child over the others, even though he didn't, he didn't uh, that didn't translate into inequity or uh, mistreatment, or he was equitable with all of them. But it showed you a heart of a real man, a real human being, 
What sentiments? Who grieved? Who loved? Who You know what I mean? So it's, that's normal. We need to normalize a lot of our feelings. But again, utopia. No utopic. Brothers, there's no utopic families. Just remember that. Some sure function better than others, no doubt. And some are completely dysfunctional. But my point is, how much more dysfunctional can it be when you have 10 siblings attempting murder on their other sibling? That's as dysfunctional as it can be. Is it because of Yaqub and his wife? No. They're the best of the best. But the hearts are in the hands of Allah. Make sense? And redemption did happen at the end. And by the way, notice Yaqub never disconnected from the children. When they did what they did, did he throw them out? Did he throw them out? He said, Sabrun Jameel. Because if I lost my relationship with you, what's going to happen? Redemption will not happen. Make sense? So he maintained the relationship even though he knew they're up, they're, they did something evil to Yusuf. He still chose to keep them in the house. Working on them because that's all he could do at the time. Make sense? That's actually incredible parenting um, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, lesson that we cannot give up on our children no matter what and really keep the hope in them. It doesn't mean there's no discipline, there's no setting of parameters, but we can't push them out because that means a declaration for their eternal failure. Uh, and many parents, by the way, do this. They're like, they really kick their children out of their lives for the flimsiest of reasons. Flimsiest of reasons. I've seen it myself happening. And it's just termination of the relationship and also giving up on the person altogether. So, sisters, anybody in the back, inshallah? Anybody who didn't speak? Let's get, let's get. Go ahead, I saw your hand, and then I'll go back to you, inshallah. So, uh, no, I, I just want to highlight one thing, which is the ability to forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Yusuf, uh, when he was in a position of power and everything, and his uh, brothers came to him, he did not try to punish them, or he actually forgave them. Don't worry, go to your dad. And more, and even more impressive, also when they went back to their dad, they and they told him, he even prayed to Allah to forgive them. So, being able to forgive is a very important thing in our life. And Allah says, "What al hasanat is So don't basically uh, meet. Uh, a bad deed with a bad deed. Rather, push a bad deed with a good deed. Right. And I think that's very important. Very, very. To be able to do it is powerful. important. Powerful, powerful lesson. Again, amongst those moral lessons that are taught. And you know what? SubhanAllah. First, uh, you know, Brother Nabi highlighted what happened with Yusuf's capacity, capacity for forgiving people who did the most wicked thing to him. Now, imagine what they've done to him. Attempted murder, separation from parents, you made me a slave, humiliated, pr- imprisoned decades. Would you? I mean, for the tiniest of things, we separate from people around us. We cut off relationships for the tiniest of things, right? Now, it doesn't mean, by the way, we surround ourselves with evil either. Sometimes evil of people can get to the point where you need to just keep a distance. But what's happening in the heart, right? Now, why is this act of forgiveness powerful? Here's what happens. They come to his, into his court, are they in a weaker position or a strong position? Very weak position. They needed relief and help. He had the capacity to really give it to them. Ex- exact revenge in that moment. So he had the upper hand. The question is when people are now finally weakened by life, those who hurt us, weakened by life and they come to us and they need. 
Now he tells them, you know, what, what happened to Yusuf? What do they say? Because <gasps> he's gotten older. It's like, <gasps> you're Yusuf? So what happened next? He says, yeah, I, I'm Yusuf. This is my brother. Allah took care of us. It's like, he, you see, he didn't say something hurtful. He said, Allah took care of us. What did they say? Who knows? We're the wicked ones. Oh, you're better than us. You, so what did they do? What is this called? Acknowledgement of what? Guilt. They said, Yusuf, we, we messed up. You're, the, you're better than us. Now what did he say? Of course I am. <laughs> Gee, let me tell you, let me remind you, okay, you might have, remember when you ripped the shirt off of me? <laughs> right? Okay, let's, okay, you know what happened next? I was in the, in the world with, with scorpions. You know what happened next? Let me tell you about the slavery. Do you know what happened also in the, with, the, with the wife of the Aziz? You know what prison? You know, have you been to prison? Maybe you need to taste prison. Right? For, for an hour. Did he do any of this? Brothers and sisters, when they started to talk about the past, what did they say? No, 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 it's from the shaitan. Don't, don't go there. He says, لا تثريبا عليكم He says, don't mention Allah, this is the most powerful. How you forgive? He didn't just get smack them, dwell on the past, say, let me tell you what happened, but I forgive you. He said, no, 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 no. Don't, no blame on you today. Allah forgives. It's the shaitan that did this. Why is he doing this? Who, t- who can tell us? Now, imagine the opposite. They're seeking forgiveness, and he's like, bad, wicked brothers. But I forgive you. And I'm not forgive you. It's okay. Forgiven. But you're, you did horrible things. What would have that done to their hearts? Damaged hearts. It sinks them further. Makes them resentful. Because he had the upper hand. The mere fact that they acknowledge their guilt is enough. That's it. Let's not go over the past. Because we know they understood. Does it really benefit to go into the past details? No. His eyes were on what? Their redemption. Their healing. When the opportunity for healing presented itself, what did he do? He didn't smack them. But this is when we sit with people talking about problems, and we see they've really been humbled. They're remorseful. What do, would, are we amongst the ones who say, let me tell you everything that you've done to hurt me? Or are we amongst us who says, you know what? Alhamdulillah, what happened, happened. It was not pleasant, etc. But let's, let's, let's turn a new page. But this is dwelling on the past is devastating. And many people are stuck in the past. That when the opportunity comes to heal, they still want to go into the past. And what does it do to the wounds? It deepens the wounds. So the reconciliation never happens. You leave actually, say, I came to seek forgiveness, and they look at what they've done to me. They remind you of every nasty thing that I've done, every mistake that I've done. That hurts. This man is a genius. He says, La tathriba. No blame on you. Let's not talk. Please, please. Let's turn to the future. He understood what it took to heal them. And indeed, it said that the 10, the 11 brothers became who? They were not only received redemption, especially the 10 plus 1, but they became the leaders of the tribes of Israel. So they reached prophetic status after that. Zakullah khair for the, for the point. Beautiful point. But please reflect again. Let's reflect on our lives and how we behave with family members, we people seek, around us. What is it? We are not forgiven just because we are smart. Of course, of course. Because basically the purpose is Allah itself. Exactly, absolutely. Essentially when you forgive, so true. you are actually seeking to get a better place. Beautiful, beautiful point. I mean, so, I think yeah. 
scale. I mean, being able to forgive is a very difficult thing. It is difficult. But the minute you think that you are forgiving because you want Allah, it becomes much easier. That is amazing. So, again, turning our vision on Allah, expecting from Allah, not from people. Exactly. No matter what the thing is. Oh, and it's difficult. Right. It is difficult. Don't Absolutely. Yeah. That's true. And one more thing here, brothers and sisters, acknowledgement of guilt heals. The problem is the, the lack of willingness to acknowledge guilt. It's the Savior. Acknowledging guilt automatically softens things. But we're not willing to say, hey, I made a mistake, please forgive me. Right? Beautiful. Apologizing is a beautiful act. Let's, one last one, inshallah. Actually, okay, so we'll take two. Inshallah, go to him, and then Dr. Dino, we're done, inshallah, because we got to wrap. Story that uh, is, I think, is so big that we supposed to look at our small difficulties that we go through mm-hmm. and relate it to spiritual use and learn from that. But as a parent, what I would take from the father of the prophet, he knew what was going to happen. But as a parent, if I knew that was going to happen to my son, I believe in Allah. But I think I would like to protect my overprotective of my kids. Mm. Say, don't go there. This is going to happen yeah. to you. So, although I believe in Allah, but I, I don't you know. Still have to be in protective instinct. Today, I will right. try to protect my kids and say this. So, I'm asking myself, am I questioning Allah at that point or not? Because I know what's going to happen to my kids. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. that's my take on the whole yeah. story. So, no, no, beautiful. Wrong, no, ab- you're absolutely right. We got to utilize the means available to us to maximize the good and avert the evil. We have to. So your instincts are absolute right and you have to do them. So there's no such thing as reliance on Allah without doing what we're doing, doing our part. You're doing your part. Now why did Yusuf not, Yaqub not do more? He did what he thought was good at the time. It's the plan of Allah. My point is sometimes Allah blinds us even from doing things that make more sense to just execute his own plan. See, if Allah didn't do this, think about it this way. What if Yusuf was saved by his father? He's not going to be saved because... I'm just saying, initially. Yeah, initially. Uh, yeah, but my, my point, point is... is yeah. Allah says, if something is to get to you, no matter what, no matter, it's exactly. going to get to you. Yeah, so, exactly. My, my answer to this. Absolutely. So, nothing can avert <coughs> the fate of Allah. But, number one. But imagine, now let's say, Yaqub made sure that he would not end up in the desert with his voice. What's the outcome of this story? It will not be a surah here. It's not, it's, you remember the boring story that I told you? Everybody's like, ah, that's not a good story. Right? Who, who was that story? I was like, oh, he got saved from the beginning? No well? No prison? You see my point? Because he ended up being what? The savior of Egypt. My point is, because the father didn't see what you saw by the plan of Allah, he was kidnapped, he was thrown out, he was, 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 for him to save what? Look at the outcome. Not only on the brothers and the family, he saved the whole nation and the surrounding regions by the father allowing him to be what? Taken out by his brothers. That's amazing. That's plan of Allah. Wallahu ghalibun ala amri. To execute something so big. So remember, brothers, that also when, we, when, when things happen to us, it's not just about our lives. So we calculate things like, oh, how does this benefit me, harm me? When Allah does things through you, including you being hurt, it might be for a greater good, bigger than you. You know the story of the, I don't know, people that get killed. Like, sometimes they say, oh, poor thing, they died. Well, they're with Allah. But the good that can come out of this, you never know what it is. 
that serves much greater uh, population of people beyond your imagination and comprehension. So leave it to Allah Azza wa Jal. That's His wisdom. It's His wisdom. Inshallah, I'll take one last one. Inshallah, we'll wrap with this. Oh, Dr. Dean, I'm going to go back to you, Dr. Dean. Sorry about this. We'll take her and then we'll go back to that. Inshallah, it's okay. Go ahead. This, stories like this, they really confuse me because I believe that God is like very powerful. So I feel that Yusuf could have been uh, these of most um, of Egypt, like you know, without him going through all of these hardships, he still could have, like you know, God could have put him in a very good position. And I don't know if it's just like a mom and a woman's thing, where like you know, all these like hardships that he went through, I feel that he could have like reached the end point without all of those hardships. So how do I address that? <laughs> Okay. Okay. If he had gone through the Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Continue. Oh, continue. That oh no, no. He can have a smooth run go there and okay. come to nature or something like right. that. He could not have all the talents. So the light taught you when you are at the low, light taught you when you are at the high. So all those things are meant to, for a human being to learn all those things which they're going to eventually apply to, to themselves or to the nation or the community. Right. So those are the things that Allah's plan how to, how to teach people. Right. Otherwise you will not learn. Yeah. So it will become easy for you that you will not have that feeling. So that's number one. It's a very good question. Excellent question. It's the explanation is includes that much more that we don't have the time. But I'm going to say this: life is meant to be an abode of learning, growth, and trial and loss. Allah this is, didn't make this utopia. So, because if He said the end is for me to serve the nation and this without having go through this, then where's the struggle? And Allah, this sunnah. You know what sunnah means? The way of Allah on earth before the next world is for it to be a path of struggle. <coughs> Path of loss, path of difficulty. And His wisdom is bigger than us. So what we want is a smooth ride. Allah says that's called Jannah. That's called Jannah. But think about it this way also. You're saying, for example, He could have served His purpose and saved the others. But the others were struggling then too. See, maybe we forget about the people who are poor and hungry. What about their struggles? So He had a smooth ride, but they were struggling. See my point? Like, no, everybody is struggling. And everybody is being used by Allah for something good. But the path of life, Allah says, you shall be afflicted with loss of life, health, wealth, food, وَبَشِّرْ الصَّابِرِينَ Those who are going to be tested and have patience, that amazing things will happen at the end. That's the way of Allah. My, point, my answer is, it's the way of Allah. And, and, and life doesn't happen any other way. So let's make the comments brief because we need to wrap. I need to, and in brief inshallah, I'll go with Dr. Dean and wrap. You cannot, oh, yeah, so it's another excellent question, profound, maybe it's a kitchen uh, conversation, but I would say we'll never know everything. We do our best, but we cannot control everything. Absolutely. The attempt to control everything makes us fail miserably, and you're going to realize whenever, like hearts, we cannot control hearts. We can do our best and make dua. You cannot be overprotective nor loose. It's never, by the way, an easy thing. We'll never figure it out completely. We have to trust in Allah. We're going to make mistakes too. Does it make sense? Yeah. 
But inshallah, let's resume that conversation. Wrap up with Dr. Dean, inshallah, and end. No, it's Go basically ahead. the same thing what you said in every triumph and trial, tribulation, you should turn to Allah, Allah remember him, husband Allah. Yeah. And uh, it is mentioned that when uh, Yusuf had those two guys come uh, with the dream and he told one guy that he will go in the king's court and become the minister there, tell the king that I'm innocent here. Mm-hmm. And he forgot it for another 10 years. And uh, some of the cities at that time, as uh, Yusuf probably did not say Allah Ta'ala is my protector. Instead of Allah Ta'ala, yeah. other guys yeah. forgot it for yeah. 10 years. Yeah, yeah. I, I know this is a, this is a kind of a, an opinion. On, but it's beautiful. You said something practical. We heard from Dr. Hasbiya, Allah. Allah is sufficient. That's a beautiful lesson of this surah. In the midst of difficulty, confusion, uncertainty, trial, Hasbiya Allah wa ni'mal wakil. Allah is sufficient for me and He's the best of, of, of trustees. But also, Alhamdulillah. In the midst of trial, Alhamdulillah, Allah Allah will deliver us, inshaAllah, to good places. Jazakallah khair, inshaAllah. Barakallah fikum. Uh, just a reminder, inshallah, today is the Center for Muslim Life fundraising dinner. Sold out, actually over capacity. So we had to close, like, I'm sorry, like we, we're, they have some at the door, uh, but also I'm asking people to be early, because it's going to be lots of people probably. But please be early if you're planning to come tonight. Don't be late, please. I mean, it's going to be hard on registration, everybody there. Uh, we have like 500 people already. So, Jazakumullah, inshallah, look for it. And then ask for your dawah, inshallah. Please, inshallah. I'm going to make the announcement. Anything else you wanted to say? Uh, uh, Nabi's point about mercy and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. As you go out, uh, when you enter the uh, basement, you'll have uh, a, a calligraphic thing. Um, verse 64, Fallahu hayrul khafilan Mm. Uh, saying that if you are merciful, God will take well, care of you. Yes. That's beautiful. Where is it? Down? Oh, it's downstairs? Is it downstairs? Beautiful calligraphy on Sarah Is it downstairs? Right as you enter the building. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Allah is the best protector and He is the best of the merciful. Beautiful. Allah, you see the thought of that assures all of us, heals all of us. Alhamdulillah, and one final thing. Next week is Thanksgiving. Um, forgive us, we're postponing or canceling the halaqah for next Sunday, inshallah. Is that okay with you guys? There's no Sunday school. Also. No Sunday school. Is that okay with you guys? Is that okay, inshallah? Well, you want to have it Thursday? I'll, I'll, we can have it if you want special session. So, but is that okay, inshallah, with everybody? No Sunday halaqah next time, inshallah. No Sunday school. Uh, one couple of things. Shall, as I said, need your du'as, inshallah, brothers and sisters, please, uh, that Allah makes all our efforts for His sake.